You are listening to CCF Runthrough, timeless truths for today's life in just 30 minutes. If you want to hear more or know more about our ministry, please visit ccf.org.ph. Enjoy listening. Greetings in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want to begin by asking all of us, those of you who love history, a question. Who said, I shall return? Who made this promise to the Filipino people? Can you guess? General Douglas MacArthur. He made that promise in 1942. He was reluctant to leave the Philippines, especially Corridor. Why? There were around 80,000 soldiers, Americans and Filipinos, who were together with him in that island. And for him to leave them is not what a good general will do. But he had no choice. His superior ordered him, vacate. Why did General MacArthur promise, I shall return? He promised, I shall return to boost the morale of the people, to encourage them to keep fighting, because he does not want them to surrender. When he came back in 1944, October 20, he landed in Leyte, and he said, I have returned. Then he also said the following, I'm sorry, I was a bit late. Because by the time he arrived, one-third of his men had died. I don't know if you are aware of the Bataan Death March. Filipinos and Americans, many died. Jesus made a similar promise. Jesus said, I shall return. The only difference is this. Jesus will never be too late. His timing will be perfect. When Jesus comes back, he will reign and God's people will reign with him. When Jesus returns, there will be complete victory and God's people will triumph. Evil will be vanquished. Today is the conclusion of our series, End Game. Are you ready for the best day of your life? The main idea is this. Jesus is coming again. Are you ready for the best day of your life? What do we mean by the best day of your life? In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 to 18, six verses, I want to highlight the following. Number one, the return. The best day of your life will happen when Jesus returns. The best day of your life will happen when the rapture happens, the best day of your life will happen when you experience God's reward. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 and 14. Notice, Paul writes the following, We do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, so you will not grieve, as do the rest who have no hope. He begins by saying, you know what? I do not want you 
to be uninformed. In other words, the knowledge of truth is crucial. What you think, what you believe, what you know will impact your emotions. The people were grieving so that you will not grieve, as do the rest who have no hope. What do we mean by the word grieve? The word grieve comes from this word lipe. Lipe means deep grief. It's a mental, emotional distress caused by loss or regret. Many times, the worst kind of grief is the death of a loved one. And the Thessalonians are experiencing the death of their loved ones. They were mourning. They were lamenting. Perhaps some of you are experiencing grief. For many, you are disappointed with life. Perhaps you are disappointed with what's happening or you have lost loved ones. It is not wrong to grieve. It is not wrong to be sad. But how do you process grieving? My friend, God loves you so much that he wants you to be informed. Notice what the Bible is saying. We do not want you to be uninformed. Don't be ignorant about those who are asleep. He's now talking about believers who have died. The word asleep describes death. It only refers to believers in the New Testament. When believers die, he is saying asleep. So that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. You see, for people who don't have Jesus, what is the hope? After you die, it's the end. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him, with Jesus, those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. That is why the return of Jesus is so basic. It is so central because it has to do with the reality that death is not the end. Death is not final. The early church believed that Jesus can come anytime. Not only do they believe he can come anytime, they greet one another with the word Maranatha. Maranatha means what? Literally, it means come, Lord. You see, the return of Jesus, believing in his return, expecting his return, and welcoming his return will impact your value system. It will impact the way you think. It will help you process disappointments in life. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 9 and 10, let me read for you what was their mindset. How you turn to God from idols to serve a living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, that is Jesus, who rescues us from the wrath to come. Do you notice the early believers, it is their focus on the return of Jesus. You see, if you are conscious that Jesus will come anytime, what will happen? You will want to serve him. Not only will you want to serve him, notice the motivation to wait 
Grammatically, it is in the present tense. They kept waiting as if Jesus can come anytime. Always waiting for his son from heaven. To wait for the coming of Jesus has a sanctifying effect in your life. It will help you live a life that is set apart to serve God. It has a strengthening effect in your life. It will strengthen you to want to serve him. The truth is, some of us do not want Jesus to return. I remember this pastor from the States. He told me, Peter, can I be honest with you? I still don't want Jesus to return. I said, why? He said, I'm enjoying my life. And you know what hit me? I realized there are many of us who are probably like this pastor, enjoying our earthly life now. Do you know what is the antidote? This is the antidote. Nothing wrong to learn to enjoy what God has blessed you with. Just remember, if you are enjoying life now, heaven, what Jesus promised, is something even better. In other words, I praise God, I enjoy my family, I enjoy the material blessings, but I'm careful I don't fall in love with this world. I hold things loosely. You know why I hold things loosely? My family, possessions, everything, because I know when Jesus comes, He has something better. And that's why you need to know the Bible truth and to realize what the Bible says, what eyes have not seen, what ears have not heard, has God prepared for those who love Him. The best day of your life is when Jesus returns. The next word I'd like you to focus on is rapture. What do we mean by rapture? For this we say to you by the word of the Lord. He is now stating authoritatively by the word of the Lord that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up. That's where you have the word rapture. Together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Now, Paul was expecting Jesus to return in his lifetime. And he's saying, when Jesus comes again, the dead in Christ will rise first, and we who are alive and remain will be caught up. That word caught up is translated as rapture in Latin. In Greek, it's harpazo. In English, it is called caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Who is this them? The believers who were resurrected and we who are alive will be caught up. That's where you have the word rapture. Paul explained this in another passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let me read for you. I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep. We will all be changed. Notice all of us will be changed. Now look at the sequence. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, faster than a second, at the last trumpet, 
the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable. The resurrection. And we, those who are still alive, will be changed. That's the rapture. And what happens? This perishable must put on imperishable. And this mortal must put on immortality. Why is it the best day of your life? When the rapture happens, you know why? You will be caught up together. You'll be given a supernatural body. And you'll meet the Lord. Now, I'm going to teach you theology. When it comes to certain issues in the Bible, it is not essential, meaning it is not worth dying for. One of those issues is rapture. What is sure is the second coming of Jesus? What is sure is the idea of rapture? We will be caught up. But it is not essential to debate to death when the rapture will take place. This is the timeline. Jesus died and rose again from the dead. And then he tells us, before he comes, there will be signs, wars, earthquakes, famines, plagues. Look at the nation of Israel. And then you will have tribulation. When will the rapture take place? Many sincere Bible scholars have the following positions. Three possible positions. And they're all sincere. The first one is pre-trib, before tribulation. Another position, mid-trib, in the middle of tribulation. Another position, post-trib. I just want to warn you, don't be dogmatic. But let me share with you from a biblical perspective what happens so that you will know and you have a basis. At the end of tribulation, the Bible tells us there will be a resurrection of the saints. There will be a 1,000-year reign. That's in the book of Revelation. And then there will be a judgment day. So when will the rapture take place? For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. So the sequence the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So the rapture takes place after the resurrection. The book of Revelation tells us when is the resurrection. At the end of the tribulation period, in Revelation 20, the Bible tells us I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony of Jesus and because of the word of God. In short, are these believers or not? Yes, they are believers. They were beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus and because of the word of God. And what else can you learn about these believers and those who had not worshipped the beast or his image? 
and had not received the mark on their forehead or on their hand. Notice Revelation 20 verse 4. The Bible tells us they came to life and reigned with Christ. Revelation 20 verse 5 and 6. I want you to notice something. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were completed. In other words, the rest of the people were not part of the resurrection. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who has a part in the first resurrection. Overdose, the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with Jesus for a thousand years. So the Bible talks about there's going to be the first resurrection. Who are those in the first resurrection? Believers. And then the Bible talks about there will be another resurrection after the thousand years. What do I mean? Let's read. Revelation 20, verses 11 and 12. I saw a great white throne and him who sat upon it, from whose presence earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. Notice the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. The sea gave up the dead which were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them, and they were judged. Notice every one of them according to their deeds. What does it mean that death and Hades gave up the dead? That, my friend, is the second resurrection. When they are brought before the judgment seat of God, the great white throne. And then the Bible tells us, death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. What do you notice? This is the second death, the lake of fire. So the Bible talks about two kinds of death. Physical death, that's the first death, and spiritual death, eternally separated from God. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So who are the people who will go into the lake of fire? People whose names are not written in the book of life. Why? Because people whose names are written in the book of life are believers. They've been forgiven. And their names are recorded in the book of life. In John 5, verse 24, the Bible tells us, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word, believes him who sent me, has eternal life, and does not come into judgment, but does pass out of death to life. And my friend, the rapture will be the best day of anybody's life if you are in Christ. Because you have a new body and you are brought into the presence of God. But it's going to be the worst day of your life if you are not ready. Why? Because on that day, the Bible tells us, 
if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Are you ready for the best day of your life? The best day of your life is return, rapture, and reward. What do we mean by reward? The Bible tells us we who are alive and remain will be caught up together, underline that word together, with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. You will meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. Do you notice the grammar? Forever. You will always be in the presence of the Lord. Revelation 22 verse 12 tells us, Look, I'm coming soon. My reward is with me. I will give to each person according to what they have done. You see, God knows how to motivate us. We are to be motivated by love. That's good. But he's saying, I also want to reward you. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the price? Look at the metaphor. The Christian life is compared to a marathon, to a race. And then here's the command. Run in such a way that you may win. It's present tense. You run in such a way. Don't be careless that you may win. How do you win? Look at the next verse. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath. But we are imperishable. What he's saying is this. In the time of the Apostle Paul, those who are running in the game at Corinth, if you win, they give you a wreath. It's made of flowers. In a few days' time, it will wilt. It's nothing. He's saying, these are perishable. And yet they work so hard for that kind of crown. 26, therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air. I discipline my body, make it my slave so that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified. What in the world is Paul talking about? Paul is talking about because of this reality, that one day I will stand before the Lord. I run my life in a very disciplined manner. Why? I look forward to the crown that the Lord will give me. Another example. James chapter 1, verse 12, the crown of life. Notice what it says. Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Do you love the Lord? The emphasis is love the Lord. Then you will be faithful to the end. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. In the future... There is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, not only to me, notice, to all who have loved his appearing. What do you notice? This crown is given to people who love the Lord, who long for his appearing. The Philippines 
won its first gold medal. This is in the history of Philippine Olympic. It's won by none other than Heidelin Diaz. She won the 55 kilogram category. She lifted 127 kilograms. My goodness, she can lift me because she brought honor to the Philippines. What was her reward? She was given from various sources almost 35 million pesos. She was given free flights for life. She was given free food for many restaurants for life. Free fuel, house and lot, free car. I do not know if Heidelin really understood what kind of reward she will be getting. I can almost predict it was beyond her wildest imagination. If earthly rewards can be so amazing, how much more heavenly rewards? My friend, the Bible is very clear. What eyes have not seen, what ears have not heard, what has not entered the mind of man, has God prepared for those who love Him. If our country will offer such amazing rewards, how much more will our Lord and Savior reward His faithful servant who will bring Him honor and glory? Why do I say bring Him glory and honor? Because if you look at Revelation chapter 4, the Bible tells us what do we do with the crown? The 24 elders will fall down before him who sits on the throne and will worship him who lives forever and ever. And notice, and they will cast their crowns before the throne. In other words, whatever crowns we receive, the Bible tells us on that day, we will give it back to our Lord and Savior. We cast our crowns on Him. What will make you faithful to the end? What will help you so that you will be faithful and receive a crown? It's all about the heart. You need to love the Lord. The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 and 5. Notice what the Bible says. In the last days, difficult time will come. In the last days, in the end time. Men will be lovers of self, lovers of money. Do you notice the enemy of the Christian life is our love for something else? Christianity is all or nothing. It's either you follow Jesus 100% or you don't. Because to follow Jesus 90% is not to follow him. And many times we deceive ourselves. We think it's okay not to love the Lord. A true Christian will understand it is not optional. He loved me. He died for me. And how should be my response? 100%. It's all or nothing. Trust God completely or you don't trust Him. Love Him completely or you're not loving Him at all. And to be ready, the answer is love God. That's why it says, if anyone does not love the Lord, he is to be a curse. Maranatha. Come, Lord. Why? Because you love Him. Are you ready for the best day of your life? And how do you do it? 
daily. When I wake up in the morning, I talk to Jesus. I say, Lord, if this is the last day of my life, I don't want to mess it up. I want to live a life pleasing to you. And once you do that day by day, it will become week by week. And once you do it week by week, it will become month by month. And before you know it, it will be one year, two years, and at the end of your life, you will hear Jesus say, Well done, good and faithful servant. My prayer is not only will you be ready, but you help your loved ones be ready. Because at the end of your life, there are only two possibilities. You are ready or you are not ready. Only two possibilities. You will experience the best day of your life or you will experience the worst regret of your life. But if you live for Him, if you long for His coming, you will never regret it. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I want to be ready when you come again. I want to be ready for the best day of my life. Today, I surrender my life to you. I come to you as my Lord and my Savior. I will stop playing games. I will take you seriously. Help me to love you with all my heart. Help me to trust you with all my heart. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you for the grace that you have given me. I now commit to you my life. I accept your gift of forgiveness. I accept your gift of eternal life. And thank you for giving me the strength to live a life that's pleasing to you. Day by day, Lord, I want to live for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.